Welcome to Blended by McGraw-Hill. Welcome to Blended. I'm your host, Wes Hallam. And today joining me on the podcast is Dr. Peter Wollstonecroft, who is from the Liverpool Business School. Uh, He's an author of uh, a title for us, Achieving Teaching Excellence, Developing Your TEF Profile and Beyond. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about how the face of teaching has changed, what the current challenges are, and and, and what we can do about higher education at the moment. So, Peter, thanks very much for, for joining us today. Hope you're all right. Thank you very much, Wes. Uh, delighted to be here. Oh, excellent. So I um, I just wanted to jump in really to, to to begin with, to kind of go and have a look at, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the, the, the challenge at the moment around attendance, around students, uh, students not really attending in the way that we would expect them to. I think you mentioned sort of, you know, 30, 35% of students attending and other institutions that we talked to having, you know, much lower rates of that. Um, what do you think can be, what do you think is causing that and and what what do you think can be done about it? It's an absolutely massive issue. I mean, if you compare it to pre-pandemic, we're down about 20, 25% comfortably and probably more in a lot of the programmes. And as you say, I think this is is a sector-wide issue. Um, My gut feeling is that people just got out of the habit of, of attending and what once pushed them into attending um, the opportunity to see friends, the opportunity to to actually have that physical interaction in classrooms is no longer something that is a pull. Um, And for the sector, that's a massive challenge. We need to find um, the ways in which we can give students the reason to attend and actually just start telling them to come and sit in a lecture theatre for an hour with 200 other people listening to somebody speak just won't do it anymore. So I think for me, we've got to explore alternatives to the traditional models. And um, um, what do you, what sort of alternatives do you do you think that could that could be? What could that what form could that take? I'm a great believer in the idea that our student body are just one homogenous group. And I think sometimes and in the past, and frankly, because we've got so many students, I mean, we, you know, we've got 5,000 within Liverpool Business School and we're probably a medium sized business school. There are much bigger ones uh, than us. Um, Because of the size, we tend to try to look for easy routes. We try to look for uh, solutions and actually putting lectures in place and then putting maybe an hour tutorial afterwards in place is an easy way logistically but it doesn't work for me it's treating each group as a heterogeneic group um, I always like the idea of giving the program leader course director whatever we call them um, a three hour or four hour slot and say this is the slot what can you do that will engage with the students so rather than me saying this is your timetable. They are saying, this is the timetable we want. I know other business schools have done this with great success. Um, and it's something we're trying to uh, trying to uh, move forward. It does project, present logistical problems. Um, timetabling really don't like me when I suggest these, uh, these things. But from a student point of view, it means that for as example, HRM, you can actually set up practical demonstrations, you can go for educational visits. And of course, you can do tutorials and seminars when needed, but you're not tied to one aspect, not tied to one approach. So the key thing is flexibility and getting that pull for students rather than just telling them this is what you're doing. 
I think I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, a lot of the a lot of the times when sort of I've, I've been out and, and talking with with academics, they they can often feel a little bit limited by how much they can innovate and develop and do things differently within within a school or within a program because they have this quite prescriptive you know two hours of lectures two hours of seminars and that's that's all that they're able to do and there's still a you know there's still a big requirement on getting through a certain amount of content a certain amount of topics things like that and as you said that that sort of lecture seminar model works works well from a logistical standpoint but it does i often see you know a lot of a lot of lectures get reduced down to knowledge transfer to you know uh, to just telling people what they need to know as opposed to as you say you know in hrm applying that or seeing how that how that actually works um but yeah the 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 i can imagine the logistical challenges of of giving people that freedom can cause uh cause a few headaches but i guess do you see that where you've kind of tried to introduce that and and and, and doing that process what have been have the students responded well to that? Is that is that something that, that you've seen? It's a challenge. It really is a challenge, both um, logistically and with students. And what we've done, which I think has worked, worked well, is um, managed a transition from school or college to university. I think there's this assumption that when they come to university, they're almost sort of fully formed sort of adults. Um, and yet six weeks previously, they were at their school doing their A-levels. So actually, managing that transition is absolutely key. You said a couple of things which really resonated. First of all, that knowledge transfer. And actually, that in many ways is what they've been used to in schools. Um, everything is geared towards the final exam or the final assessment. Um, and the expectation is that the, uh, the teacher um, is this purveyor of knowledge and of course they come to university and the first thing they learn is that there's no actual answers to questions um, they've got to do it themselves and um, it, it's it's really tough for them to manage so what we've done is we've made sure that our induction is is not just a few days not just a week but is an ongoing process we give them information when they need it and we recognize that um, a transition to a university education is something that occurs not instantaneously, but it happens over a period of time. And of course, it's different for each individual student. We've used electronic resources and digital resources extensively. So I know McGraw-Hill have um, some, some great stuff which we've used, um, which means that we can get things over to students. They can study in their own time. So when they come to us, we don't have to worry about telling them what Porter's five forces are or, or, or the four P's are. Instead, we can actually talk about what they think about Porter's five forces or the four P's and the application. But that transition is, is a struggle. And it means that what we need to do is we need to manage the first, especially the first semester of university very closely indeed. I think you're right, and uh, thank you for mentioning our stuff. It's always it's always always, always nice to have a little uh, a little plug every now and again. But um, you're you're absolutely right. We see it all across uh, from every level of institution, depending on you know research led or teaching led or, or whatever it is that they're specialising in. That first semester for first year students is absolutely critical. Um, and and you're right. There is this assumption that um, students are arriving with this 
set of skills which they've magically developed over the last eight weeks where they've been sat at home not doing anything um and and you know we see an awful lot of students really struggle to you know to to stay motivated to stay engaged to do to make the value judgment of if I work now, I won't be panicking later on because the system that they've come from is all about that assessment. And so we're expecting them to to magically have have learned that if they work each week, it makes the final assessment easier as opposed to the system they've come from, which is cram everything in in the last three weeks before the before the exam and the assessment comes in. Um, actually, I kind of wanted to pick you up on that because that that transitionary piece is is a really interesting point for for all students and particularly for for institutions about how they manage that what do you think the the average i know i know they're not a homogenous group but what do you think the average student coming to university in that first year um has learned as behaviors and what what do you think that they're, they're missing in terms of what we're expecting them to be able to do Oh, it's a really good question. And it's, it's as you say, it's a really difficult one to answer simply because they're not this homogenous group. But for me, the key thing is that they've been used to a very passive approach to learning. Um, and we've uh, we've been really establishing closer links with local schools and local colleges to understand further how they're taught and um, and, and what we're dealing with, really. And um, it's working really well. Um, but it does produce some some problems in that the average student is somebody who's coming to us um, having been successful at their um, previous assessment, so knows what works. And what works, as you say, is in general um, waiting till the last moment. And you know, I, I speak, you know, I speak as somebody who does need pressure to sort of uh, to perform at my best, and uh, I do need a deadline myself, so I can actually understand where they're coming from. But clearly for um, especially our longer portfolio pieces, you need to be on it right from the start and all the way through to the, to the final assessment. So it is something which requires a culture change. Um, and for us, what we need to do is we need to unpick those previous habits, try to somehow keep the good ones, but overlay the, 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 uh, the new ones into their, uh, into their psyche. And it is, it is a real challenge. And, I think I come back to the point that actually each individual program has a different way of doing things. So for, um, for us as a senior leadership team, one of the problems is that it used to be easy. You put a model in place, say use that um, and we know it will get really good results and the students will be happy. Since the pandemic, there's no such thing as a model. It, there, there is only individual approaches. And uh, we talk a lot about the student experience and the student journey. And whereas before you'd map the student journey um, throughout Liverpool Business School, now you're mapping an individual student um, journey. And that creates great challenges for, for academics because they can't just do what's worked in the past because the students are so different. You're, you're, you're picking up on something um, quite fundamental. Uh, I think that I've had this sort of, this sort of question raise a few times in that we saw during the pandemic was a huge period of flux and there was a huge amount of innovation and, and emergency development i think i think it really accelerated a lot of the plans that maybe that some people already had of moving things online being digital being flipped like all all of the various buzzwords that went around at the time of 
oh my god how do we how do we actually deliver these courses and we then sort of and one of the things we've seen quite commonly happen particularly in the past year is almost a step back for quite a few institutions so that the the pandemic's over i no longer need to be doing all of these things and, and all of that stuff and and as you said the what worked in the past is is comforting it feels it feels it's safe it's proven and we and the assumption is that it will work again but as you said the students are coming through completely differently now and what worked in the past the students have got nothing to snap back to the only education system really that they've learned is 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 this new one and so we're we're seeing some people trying to revert back to that kind of lecture seminar format of talking you know the the chalk and talk mentality but mm -hmm how effective that is at engaging students, how how good that is for the student experience, I'm, I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure either. And I think one issue that we haven't touched on yet is um, that this requires a sea change in the approach for academics. Uh, it's not just for, for students. Uh, you know, I've, I've been doing this for, for many, many years. Um, and I think this is the most, the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity I've seen in, 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 in over 25 years really the the sector in many ways is traditionally extremely conservative for me with a, with a small c um in that we don't like change um you know i'm sure there are people who are using the same notes to teach microeconomics that they've been using for the last however many years um and the, the the pandemic did shake things up and i think the idea of going back to what they viewed as normal is something that cannot cannot actually happen so it requires um, a degree of, uh, of of thought one of the issues that we're talking about at the moment is the introduction of virtual reality and augmented reality um, and this has the opportunity to be a complete game changer in um, in higher education I mean the possibilities are incredible and it's just something that we know engages students we know that um, they enjoy it they know what we know that this has the possibilities of, um, of creating a really positive experience. But it's something that requires academics to buy into something which is a leap into the unknown. And I think it's not just students we need to think about, it's, it's members of staff as well. And we need to make sure that they're supported and that they can see why we're doing this rather than the fact that we are doing this. Yeah, the the you're, you're totally right. The I guess that's part of the 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 joy of, of the system that you're 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 introducing around that freedom to 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 organise the course delivery in in a more kind of uh, holistic way. Um, I've seen some really good examples of introducing things like VR and AR on a sports science course actually down in down in Swansea where they use it for physios to get an understanding of how the muscles overlap with each other in the body, because you never get to see that otherwise. Um, and, you know, they get the students to have their VR sets on and it's part of their, it's part of their assessment of how does, how do the four muscles of the quadriceps actually overlap with each other and how to do that. And that's a hugely engaging thing for them to do. But again, the instructor there um, is very committed to that innovation to driving those things forwards and keeping those students engaged um i wanted to actually touch a little bit on that um uh, 
think sort of what you were saying there, because in the in the in the book, the um, achieving teaching excellence, you talk a lot about assessment and around authentic assessment and innovative assessment. Um, do you think that there is there there needs to be a change in how we typically assess people? We've seen a lot of um, you know we had during the the pandemic this the fear around open book exams and things being online and needing to be open for you know 24 hours or 48 hours and, and the, the risk of cheating we've just seen a big change in in perspectives with the introduction of chat gpt and around around kind of ai driven uh, essay farming and things like that what do you think obviously it's been it's, it's been a couple of years since the since the book came out and you know we've had one or two major world events that have happened since then um what do you think the 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 mindset needs to be for for people who are looking to change how they do that assessment to get away from that exam like kind of single point exam mentality gosh it's this is it's such a good question such a wide question oh, sorry yeah my apologies. Um, i can talk <laughs> i can talk for some time about about this because i think you're absolutely right this is fundamental to what we actually do and this is where the change has to happen i think there's three issues i'd like to to raise um first of all um, I mentioned before about the passivity of students when it comes to schools and then when it comes to colleges. And I think there is a there was a movement before the pandemic towards that approach within universities, simply because we're now measured by success rates, we're measured by completion, and hence not just for the students, but for us, all of a sudden assessment becomes absolutely the fundamental point of, of the an university education. And for me, that's so dangerous because we're, we're then teaching people to pass tests and we're teaching people to pass their assessments. And we're saying at the end of it, this is what's really important. So we need a, we need a change in, in mindset because if you get the assessment right, actually the results happen anyway. So don't focus on the results, focus on the experience and the results happen. And it's far, far more fun anyway, focusing on the, uh, the actual assessment. It needs to be integrated into the learning. I, I'm not a massive believer in just a 3000 word essay in week 11. Um, we, we're not the only business school, I'm sure, that sees students who you don't see at all during the semester handing their essays and pass. Now that actually, seems to suggest that well what's the point in the lectures what's the point in the seminars if they're not turning up and yet they're still passing so um, I think what we need to do is a obviously make the um, make the learning something where the students are totally engaged with and totally involved with but we also need to make the assessment sometimes something they're involved with um, as you said in the book we talk extensively about authentic assessment um, and uh, project-based assessment and again, it's so important because we are not just doing education for the sake of education. We are preparing students for the world of work, for, for life in general. And hence, if they've worked with local companies, so we've got the business clinic where we work with local companies. Um, we do assessments based on the needs of uh, organizations in the, in the greater Liverpool area. Um, and students can actually see what it's like in the real world. And on their CV, they can put things like, you know, solve the problem for a local business, it was adopted and sales went up by 
but it also means that students can see what's what's the purpose of the the the, the learning and the purpose of the learning is not to pass an essay the purpose of the learning is to apply it to learn to adapt to have all of those those key skills that get us ready for um for the rest of our lives there the second issue is the issue of um let's say chat gpt and and artificial intelligence in general and i think this is this sums up a lot of education how education reacts to things that although on the face of it there is a major concern if you can just type in your essay title and get a, an essay then um, that's got to be a concern for me this is a golden opportunity to a look at our assessment but b to actually show how artificial intelligence can be used and and used and make to make things better we know by local, looking and talking to local businesses that they are beginning to use AI. So if we're not preparing students to use AI, we're, we're failing in our duty. So the approach we're taking is that we're embracing it. We're doing we're looking to do sessions on AI and um, using it as a force for good. So, for example, with students who maybe struggle with structuring an essay or structuring a project, you can actually use it to show what a good structure is like for me that's that's such a positive use of new technology so i think instead of just putting up barriers and uh, and building a wall around it uh, what we need to do is we actually need to reach out embrace it and show how we can use it as a, as a positive um, sense and the third thing goes back to um it goes back to staff and our, our, our academics and getting them to think about assessment and think about what they want from assessment. I'm, I'm sure uh, we're not the only business school where uh, come the end of May, everybody's complaining about the number of pieces they've got to mark, and how long it takes and the feedback they've got to give. And, and absolutely, I completely understand that. So why don't we take a different approach? Uh, we've used audio and video feedback extensively, which is both easier to do quicker to get to the students and we know students engage with it far more so why don't we use that why don't we do use assessment while we go it while we're going along why don't we use peer assessment there are alternatives to just having a stack of essays that you need to write need to mark so i think there are three challenges firstly just altering the complete mindset of assessment and making it authentic making it real Secondly, embracing new technology. And thirdly, looking to see how we can lighten the load on um, on academics. Yeah, I think uh, you're you're actually saying a lot of the points we, uh, we we raised on in one of our sessions at the virtual conference where we were doing about assessment and and and, and sort of the pedagogy around assessment. And there's a, always been a long debate around the purpose of assessment is it of learning is it for learning is it through learning of of uh, of how it works and we had some really interesting examples of how how instructors and some of the ones who, who were on the on the panel saying that you know they now do mini fever interrogations or sorry viva interrogations of somebody's written an essay and then they go and talk about it and they, they ask them to spend five minutes because it's very quick for you to understand then when somebody's defending a point of view whether or not it's they have done that authentically or not and we had some other examples of um 
one of the one of the panelists offers consultancy sessions for group work where he comes in as a consultant and will come and give some advice and gives that's throughout the period of a course and i think you sort of you're it's sort of circling back to what we were talking about in the first place of students being motivated and engaged to work throughout the course of of a term the if we if we stay in the mindset of we'll have an essay at the end of the term and or we'll have an exam then we're expecting students to make a change when the institution isn't making that change itself and you know it, this is all about meeting halfway yes that the behaviors of students have changed i think over the you know the last five ten years but also we we need to change to meet them halfway we can't expect them to them to completely disregard everything that they've been doing so far and suddenly move into a new system and and that first year of embedding in those good practices and good behaviors in the students becomes so important yeah no absolutely and i think it, it's it, it's key it's it's been it's been an incredible change in the last few years it's just so so rapid um you know i there's there's issues for example with um with the social lives of, of, of students that before you'd have a freshers week where everybody would go you know stereotype a little bit but people would go down the pub and uh, uh, and meet that way and now we're finding that students come into uh come into class and then go home and there's no social interaction no face-to-face -face social interaction so actually trying to create that sort of uh, sense of community and trying to create um, the sense of what the program is all about and what we want our graduates to be like um, after completing their programs is, is far more of a challenge because there's less engagement um, in the process. They have lives outside. And in many ways, I completely understand this. Um, they, the majority of our students um, are local. Uh, uh, the majority have um, job, part-time jobs that they go to. Um, and of course, socialising has changed to be sometimes a more online activity. And I think we need to change to to um, uh, to to deal with this. You know, there's there's two ways of dealing with with change: either deny it's happening or embrace it. And I think for too long, we've denied this, denied the change. Um, and instead, we need to look at it and say, this is what our students are like now. How can we make sure that they have a positive experience, make sure that they get the benefit of a, of a really positive higher education experience? Um, and that does mean making some fairly fundamental shifts in approach and attitudes. You are you are completely right. Um, it reminds me of uh, 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 one of the other guests on, the, on this podcast, um, Alex Jones down at Exeter. I was talking to him, uh, talking to him a while ago, and he said that it's amazing how academic institutions as research bodies are innovative, they're on the cutting edge, they are pushing the boundaries of what's possible and what's known. And yet, often when they look at the teaching side of what they're doing, there is, as you said, there is a real hesitancy around change, around, around big structural fundamental change. Um, and if we can get those things to be slightly closer together, that's, you know, I, I do feel as though a lot of the organizational structures in, in institutions, they tend to limit that kind of, of innovation until you get a management team who are in there that say, we are going to drive this change. We want to see change come forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I always 
I always feel very, very lucky to work within Liverpool Business School, where the management uh, team and senior leaders are, are allow you that freedom to try things. And I think it's something we try to do. We try to take out that fear of failure. And there is a concern at the moment that we are moving towards a, sort of a more metric driven um, uh, uh, environment where we have to hit particular targets. And the problem with having to hit particular targets is it's very easy to play it safe and just go, right, we need 90% to pass this, um, uh, pass this particular program, right, we need to make sure the assessment is geared so 90% pass. And actually that's completely the wrong way of doing doing things. My background's in further education and we went through these this metrification um, some years ago and everybody leaked to that conclusion at the start about, oh, we just need to make sure that they pass. And of course, after a while, you realize, no, you do a fantastic job. Um, then people do pass and people do really great things. And it's far more, far more positive experience for everybody. And for me, it's all about taking the fear of failure out for academics. You know, I, I, not everything we do will be a success. And actually, what we need to be aware of is that if an if a academic tries something brand new and it's a complete disaster, then we need to learn from it. And we don't need to just point the figure and, finger and say, right, you've messed up. We need to, uh, you're in trouble now. You know, we, we learn from our mistakes. And it's taking that fear of failure away from people that is absolutely crucial. That is, that's a very good a very good point and i think that will be the point where we where we leave this uh, leave this session otherwise i will talk to you all day and it's a real risk um but i think you've been your insights there have been really fascinating to look at particularly with your experience in looking at how teaching that, that sort of teaching framework shapes shapes what academics do and how students interact with that is is really really interesting so i guess the only thing for me to say here is thank you so much for uh for joining joining me today um, my guest was dr peter wollstonecroft uh who is at the liverpool business school and is the author of uh achieving teaching excellence developing your tef profile and beyond so peter thank you so much for being here oh thank you so much for having me wes really enjoyed it as ever that's all we have time for today. Thanks to my guests for sharing their perspectives with us and for giving us an insight into their world. If you'd like to learn more about what McGraw-Hill can do for you, please visit mheducation.co.uk. Links are all in the show notes. If you've got something to say and would like to get involved in an episode of Blended, please get in touch with us too. Until next time, I've been Wes, and this was Blended.